God says, make a star. Thanks for coming. Um, yeah, it's interesting looking at the other seminars that are on in the context of a week all about like strengthening and building churches. It's like, huh, songwriting. Like this isn't a worship conference or a songwriting conference. So it's kind of like, what's that about? Hey, Will. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking, is anyone going to come to this? Like everybody's pretty busy figuring out how to build teams and do all these things. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized actually, you know, for us, um, worship and songs and by extension songwriting are like such a huge deal for us, for churches, for how we, you know, some of the buckets, the bricks that we need to put in the bucket. Little cameo there. Found the page. <laughs> so, um, actually, what I, what I thought I'd do just for the first little while is rather than just us jump straight in to um, just some real practical, like songwriting thoughts, and let's talk about some of the mechanics. It'd be great to just kind of zoom out um, and just situate this whole thing of songs and songwriting into like just the slightly bigger picture of church and culture and. Um, yeah, that stuff. So we'll, I'll get on to that. But we thought we'd do a quick straw poll first. So who who here is like a songwriter? Who writes yeah, songs? Who likes, yeah, not like written, finished, like... You mean published? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Just, just like, has a passion to write, you, write yeah, songs. Yeah. Anyone uh, do that and then lead those songs in churches, like as well? Is anybody here because they just thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I don't... I'm not musical, but... <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, everybody's welcome. <laughs> Let's uh, let me pray, and then we'll just make a start. God, we thank you for um, all that you're doing already in this conference. Um, God, we we love songs. We love singing. We love worship. We thank you for the gift of those things to us, your church. And. Um, Lord, we just pray you'd be present in this room over the next hour as we just um, dive in on some things. Um, God, I pray that you would just bring into full life and full technicolor um, this whole area of songs and songwriting. God, help us to elevate the importance of worship um, and just be refilling that tank. God, do that in us as we as we go through this stuff. Um, we pray that as we, as we think, as we talk, it would be... Um, blessing to you and, and it would honor you God in Jesus name amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> do you want to just intro yeah. us just before we yeah. jump in so this is Sam and I'm Becky um, for those of you who don't know we're based here at Covenant Life um, we've been here for three months we landed in March um, and are loving it here loving the church loving um, getting to live in America, learning the, the differences and the uh, language, yeah. even though it's English, it's still a new language, so um, <laughs> we're learning that, <laughs> yeah. I've learned to say, please can I have a water instead of water, um, so and before then we were in Brighton um, at CCK, um, we were there for 11 years, well nearly 11 years would have been. And both kind of just moved from our home settings. Sam from Wales, I was from London. Moved as students and just kind of lapped up everything we could of the church. Loved just getting involved and being part of the student work and 
both just started to lead worship and at different times and um, we got married at the end of our degrees um, three years after being there and yeah it's just been a wonderful journey really um, of just getting to learn from some amazing people um, yeah people that are just our dear friends but have written some amazing songs and lead worship in just such an anointed way so yeah it's just it was just 10 years of getting to sponge yeah sponge <laughs> and learn and kind of just just learn from people get ideas from people and grow in leading worship and um, songwriting and and then uh, it was so we'd been songwriting different times kind of quite separately I think really over the last I guess five years and then at the beginning of last year so January 2016 um, our church has well, not our church now, our old church, um, kicks off the year with two weeks of prayer and fasting. And in that time, um, God just spoke to Sam about us purposely like writing together, um, which we had started to do, and just to get it all basically into one thing, which is how we recorded. We got to record an EP last year, which was just such a great experience. And um, yeah, so that's kind of our... Yeah, we're not like, we don't have like a 50-song catalogue and you know, hundreds of songs being sung all over the world, but I think hopefully, yeah, enough insights just from some of the people we've been able to rub shoulders with to, um, to help. Um, so, yeah, like I just mentioned, I thought it'd be good just briefly just to, just to touch on, like, some of the why. Why do we, why are we singing? Why are we worshipping? I think that's, um, we, like, we sing every time we gather, pretty much. And I think but we don't always have the tank full in, in, in terms of um, the why. Like, and so I just thought it'd be good to just put some rocket fuel in, in the tank and um, really talk about the, 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 um, the why in order to just frame the how a little bit. Um, because I think, so at worst, we can kind of, yeah, it's just a chunk of time in a meeting. It's just, some, you know, some singing. It's just what we do. Um, yeah, I, I think... The other questions would be, it's 2017, like, when missional churches is singing even relevant anymore? Like, nobody sing, nobody gets together and sings, other than, at like, a football game. Is it contextual? Has it become, has this whole thing just become this, this product, this consumer, you know, the radio and just songs and worship artists, left, right, and center? It's just, like, it can, can actually be kind of tiring. Like, it's just this constant barrage of, okay, who's, now, who's putting out an album now? Um, I think all those responses are possible. And I guess I just want to throw in the mix, the, the, that was the at worst, let's talk about the at best um, for a little bit, and kind of redefine the, 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 the biblically defined truth about singing, that it should encourage us and challenge us um, to, to sing and actually songwrite from a, a, just a biblical place with a really sure footing about just its relevance in our lives, in church, in mission, in all of those things. Um, so we definitely believe that singing and by extension songwriting um, is a big deal, it's important, it's biblical, um, there's a timeliness, timelessness about it, like the church has always sung, there's a timeliness about it in that it's always evolving and changing and moving with, with the culture and with the time, but ultimately at the heart our faith is a sung faith, um, both in history for us now and as we see in you know, Revelation forever. <laughs> So, um, 
it's very easy to, to, to sort of get caught up in things and then and then ultimately sometimes remember actually we're going to be singing forever this is what, what we're going to be caught up with for eternity you know joining with angels and creation and singing so um, I'll just keep diving into some of this um, we are clearly a people the church for whom singing has been established as something that's central to our expression as the children of God it's, it's a biblical thing it's not just a western 20th century church affectation um, the people of God have always worshipped uh, we sing in war we sing in peace we sing in victory and defeat we sing in celebration and we sing in lament um, and the other argument sometimes people come out of it's just an Old Testament thing like you know it's all in the Psalms and you know is it is it a New Testament thing and I think as I've looked into it um, you definitely see that it's a New Testament thing too you know Jesus worshipped went to temple Paul instructed the churches that he was helping out with actually wrote to them you know wrote to the Ephesians and said you know Ephesians 5:19, speak speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and similarly to the Colossians he said let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and my favourite one is the um, the ever uh, blunt James. Is anyone cheerful? Question mark. Let him sing praise. Um, so there's that we don't have time to go into the biblical pattern that we sing. This is something that we we're called to. It, I, I'm convinced that it's not just a suggestion for for us as the church. It's it's a real kind of mandate. Um, I, and I think it's a gift as well it's not just to do this it's like I'm, I'm i've given you a larynx i've given you lungs and you know I've, I've gifted you with the ability to what i love about worship and singing is it is this moment where we grab hold of like all our senses our physicality our our bodies and our hearts and our mouths and our minds it's just like we wrangle all of that up we sort of lasso it all together and point it in in one direction in worship of god and so we engage with we engage with scripture in lots of ways um but in, in that sense, I think singing's a, a big one. It's a real holistic one. It's comprehensive. It like really pulls a lot of who we are into, into engaging with, with God. So um, just getting our heads around this before we start getting pen to paper and songwriting, I think is important because um, it helps us put the, this whole issue of singing in its, in its, in its rightful place and helps us to, to cherish it, to cherish the importance of it for us. Um, I think when we really get singing and worship and its, and its true value, it, it does help to shape our songwriting priorities. Um, so I'll just keep I'll just keep setting this this picture up for us um, before we get too, more, too much more practical. So singing, and by extension songwriting, which we'll get onto, carries a deep meaning for us. So everybody sings, all humans can sing, um, but I'm going to hopefully unpack why um, singing has just opened this toolbox for us. Um, I think the main reason is that it's an intrinsic part of our relating. It's an intrinsic part of our relating to our Creator. It's like I said, it's a physical engagement in the relationship we can have with God through Christ, and that happens in two ways, as we know. Like vertically, um, we're actually engaging personally, like with the Father, with with 
with Christ in me, like personally, my, my experience, my journey, um, you know, as a son or as a daughter, just in being able to use singing as a way to enjoy God personally in a one-on-one kind of context. And then also horizontally, uh, you, we get to sing with other believers, you know, like, come, let us worship. Um, it's, the, it's the ecclesia, it's the Christ in me meeting the Christ in you. And, and this awesome um, sharing, really, in, like as we all sing, and we're all singing the same thing, we're kind of sharing out loud together testimony of like what we've come into um, and that we're changed and that we're filled with adoration. Um, I love this Tozer quote that kind of speaks to this. He says, has it ever occurred to you that a hundred pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They're of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to to which each one must individually bow. So when 100 worshippers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, they're in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. I love that. It just speaks of when we sing, it's, there's an intrinsic, inherent getting on page together, being aligned, being unified in heart. That's awesome. Um, in terms of as we think about songwriting, um, just some more on, on singing and, and by extension songwriting. Singing is teaching. I really believe that um, a lot of the ways we learn doctrine, who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do, who we are now because of what he's done. A lot of that we actually learn through our songs, the songs that we sing on in our churches. Um, it's been said a lot that, you know, people leave the sanctuary singing the songs, not quoting the sermons. And that, that might be true. Um, it's also singing is remembering. We're singing our story. We're, you know, there's that aspect to it of, of um, remembering the, the story of the church. It's strengthening. Singing is strengthening, especially in trial. Helps us to see beyond the valley walls. Um, we see Paul and Silas, you know, singing in trial. And actually it becomes part of the key to their freedom in the end. Um, singing aligns us. It's aligning. It aligns us with our true calling as, as humans and created ones. You know, we talked already about creation and the angels and the, uh, the elders being this eternal, glorious song that we actually, you know, that's what we're born for. Ultimately, we were born to, to worship. We were born to have a relationship um, with God, the, the Westminster Catechism, the chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think singing helps align us with actually our, our eternity. Um, it's also evangelism. Tim Keller says that good corporate worship will naturally be evangelistic. Um, it's, it's so valuable it, it, because it demonstrates both the doctrine of our beliefs, just the truth that we sing, but also our emotional response to that truth and our beliefs. Um, and so you get this awesome window in. If you're new to church and you experience the church at, at worship in song, it's a great window in. And again, you often hear people saying, you know, I came along to church and the first thing that really affected me was the worship. You know, they haven't understood some deep, profound theology or, or they, they caught bits of the sermon that made sense. But ultimately they're like, I just cried when, when worship, I just can't understand it. Something happened, you know. 
so that often the heart comes in through worship and then the head follows later on. Um, and lastly, not lastly, but for now, lastly, it's, it's weaponry. Um, there's a spiritual warfare aspect to singing. Um, again, we see that's a biblical pattern. Um, you know, marching around the walls of Jericho, singing, worshipping, blowing trumpets. In the end, they fall down. And um, I love it as well in Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, the king. We actually see a story there of him sending out his musicians to battle first. Um, and, yeah, it's weird even thinking about, like, armies more recently in the last few hundred years. You know, it's still the fife and drums, you know, that go out at the front. I think that harks back to something that's um, part of that spiritual warfare aspect of singing. So... Yeah, I think, you know, we're all on the same page on this. This is A lot of this isn't new. Um, but I think it's healthy to keep throwing that foundation in um, as we, yeah, position ourselves, especially just to think about culture and millennials and worship and singing and things are moving on. And do we sing more? Do we sing less? Do we get more charismatic, more, more this, more that? I think it's just like, let's just keep, looking at what the Bible says about singing and worship, and, and I, I believe it's something we need to hold on to and keep cherishing. Um, so we don't want to allow this foundational thing to become, like, hurried or just a side, you know, perfunctory kind of side thing. Um, does all that make sense? Tracking so far? Um, so, because I, I think any time... Yeah, we come, we come, come towards songwriting as a bit of a mixture of, like, sometimes it's real passion, like, I've just, I've just been given a song, I just have, a, just have a heart to write this thing down. Other times it's like, you know, for us, we've had seasons where it's like, okay, we've got an event coming, we've got a conference coming up, we know we need to bring songs to this event, so there's a real pragmatic, like, let's carve out a day to, like, actually get into the, the craftsmanship or the sort of the, just the, the more diligent sort of, we just know we need to write, so let's just put set time aside. And we don't, I don't consider myself a songwriter in the sense that I know guys who, for whom, like, it is, it's like, they will carve out a day a week, two days a week. They, they just know it's their calling and their passion, and, um, and I love that. It's challenging. So, but every time I do that, every time I come in either way to sit down and write a song, I think having some of that stuff in the back of my mind helps just, it, it just helps, um, almost becomes a bit of a checklist you know, as we're putting words on paper. Um, so hopefully that helps. So you want to, I'll hand over to Bex just to share a little bit more. Yeah, so I think with all of that in mind, like carrying that forwards, um, just a few practical thoughts and tips on, I mean, we're, we're really talking about um, like our experiences in writing for the Gathered Church. Um, well, you've written some other things, but... Um, so just kind of take it and take what we're saying and adapt it to what you feel like you write for and feel called to do. Um, but thinking also about our cultures and how they're changing all the time. So we've obviously come from Brighton, which is completely di- different to Gaithersburg. I mean, if you've only been here a few days and you've had a chance to visit Brighton, it's so polar opposite. And um, so the, one of the things we've spent the last three months doing is working out like, okay, what what is this culture? What as we come to write more songs, what is it that what is it that we need to write for the culture here 
in in America and um, and how yeah I guess cultures are being shaped by so many different things um, some cities are there ten years before other cities and so so we always are thinking about that thinking about what is going on in the culture um, we also know that we're a set apart people and so the culture although that we being part of it um, can we can get alongside the culture and help it bring non-believers into our into our buildings and churches and stuff. But ultimately, it doesn't shape who we are as believers, and so it's that tension between what we're writing needs to be um, in line with what they could have sung a hundred years ago. Um, but we can't just always go back to the songs written 20, 30 years ago because musically it just looks different these days and some of those songs are brilliant and we've had to come to a place where we're like okay actually although that song is really really good we need to think about rewriting songs like that that means our culture people coming in from um, like just non-believers coming in won't go oh what's that what's you know so um yeah so for us like the style and modernity of uh worship songs like just thinking of hymns and having both. So part of what we wanted to share today was just our love for um, the, the deep, uh, just the deepness of hymns that can just, I don't know if, if you're a worship leader in here, like throwing a hymn into your song list, like it's like just a sure, it just gets you further. It just, it's like that deep revelation. It's just line after line after line after line. And then you see like the new modern songs being written where there's um, just a more reflection, more um, just space or more intimate, more emotional um, linking with things. And so for us, like we, we actually have felt a real, um, I guess, God calling to keep writing both of those types of things, um, not just settling for what's popular in um, just... What, what you hear, I guess, which is a lot more um, emotional. How would you describe it? Yeah, I think in some ways, like, we've, we've gotten more comfortable in the last maybe 50 years, maybe less than that, with just, yeah, emotions and communication, like, even between, like, my grandparents and my parents and us, mm. the way we, like, interrelate and the way we mm. are able to be, you know, a bit more vulnerable. Mm. I think that's actually reflected in the song writing that often is now part of our worship diet. Um, and so I think some of that's great. I think it's right that we've moved in that direction, but um, yeah. there's a richness and a truth, like you're saying about, especially hymns where it's like, you just know that's like throwing a log on the flames when you get one of those things yeah. in the, play, in the, you know, in the mix. And actually it's great. Like we can still use those songs like years and years later, but I think, we also need to be writing new ones of those, new new hymns, new logs on the fire, um, not just kind of going <clears throat> with what's kind of current. So I have six, um, just six things that I would, yeah. In fact, I've, I've, we'll skip some of them because we've kind of touched on some of them already. So the first one is um, being musically relevant. So thinking... Um, this is more like about the, the music, melody side of things rather than the actual lyrical content. We'll get onto that later. Um, but just thinking, like, so 
we got to be part of um, an event over the years called New Day, and some friends in that have a real passion for linking um, like current music in the UK with church. And so they are they carve out time every single week to think about okay what's going on in the charts like one of our friends actually his wife went to um, a music college university type thing in Brighton to learn how to songwrite in this cult in the new culture that we're in um, and they you know they spent their money to go there she gave up a year that's what they did to to equip themselves to write songs for the church that connect with teenagers and 14 15 year olds who are listening to um, what's what's popular in culture? Um, so that so that's the first one. Think musically relevant. Second is is working out writing for three types of places. So um, writing for our churches. So wherever you're based, wherever your church is based, um, think about writing songs for your church. It might never leave your church, but but there might be seasons that your church is in where a song just connects and it just does something for the people and it just connects God with with the people in that church um, for that season. Thinking about the wider church as well, just other people, especially being part of a, you know, a group of churches. There are other churches hearing what you could, you could be sharing amongst, you know, this, hey, this is working really well in our church. Um, and then also for the nations. So there are some songs, you know, the popular, really popular ones that just go across all churches like everyone knows them there's probably five we could say now like um the, i would say they were they're written for the nations it's like wherever you are people pick them up and just an example for us we last year when we were writing the last few songs of the ep and just even production wise um we really felt strongly that god wanted us to write it for local churches so not brighton which was probably like I don't know it, it probably sounded a bit uh, I don't know well, it, was weird. it was weird because our, our church in some ways was like forging ahead in doing worship that really connected with you know if you're like a 16 year old who understand who goes to the club like it, there was no barrier there you could come into worship and it not feel like we've suddenly gone back yeah. 30 years yeah but we also have you know, through just traveling and seeing lots of different churches around the world, I've realized that um, a lot of a lot of the songs that are coming out, like uh, of the sort of the, the mainstream channels for for worship, um, they're they're awesome, but they're not actually that easy to lead or sing. Mm-hmm. Or like if you don't have a tracks rig, if you don't have you don't have like um, you know yeah. So we we basically felt like we had to do this EP in. Not in as basic way as possible, but just write songs that small Baptist church. Like I grew up in a small um, Baptist church in in London, and and when I visit there, and I realise that some some weeks they have a drummer, some weeks they don't. Some weeks they have five vocalists, some weeks they'll have a bass player but no drummer, um, and I think they have two piano. Like it's there's never any continuity. There's no you know, and they they've just introducing songs like this is amazing grace and and that's kind of pushing it for their for their their communities and yeah and we just kind of thought actually like we want to we want to equip those churches with songs that are easy to sing that they'll connect with and so that yeah so that was just in a small group yes that kind of thing yeah yeah all of those things um so just be thinking as you come to write like you know 
it's, it's not wrong to think like I want to write a song for my church like that's a great thing I'll just jump in on that yeah because yeah. I think some of the there are some songs that we now sing like around the nations that were originally written mm, yeah, yeah. To, to, to speak into a specific church situation that mm. it was like God used that and then went I think there's lots of other churches that would be blessed by this song mm. that's come out of this so the song Heart of Worship mm. was the song that really put Matt Redman kind of on the map a little bit and it was written really specifically to that congregation where they just felt they needed to just re-connect with like what's worship about and so you, you know they they stopped I think they just cut all the band they just brought it back down to an acoustic guitar and for about oh, a few months they just relearned how to sing how to engage maybe even that and, yeah. and I think that's where that song came out of and then I think a lot of other churches just resonated and went we get that and then the heart of worship song just mm. just exploded you know yeah. so um so it's like that cool moment of a song that was written for a local church ending up blessing the nations anyway yeah. and it was cool i was talking with alan frow yesterday he was saying how um homegrown songwriting is such a cool thing it's like the what do you call it he said it's like the rhythm section like in your army with the rhythm section in your church are those like homegrown songs that kind of accompany your story and mm, your journey yeah. together so there's a really unique sweet thing about that where it's like you know what this may never get sung outside of our church but for us there's like a really cherished yeah sweet thing that we just own and love um so three i've already kind of touched on but it was don't just go with what feels popular and current um so yeah think through what like so especially if you're a worship leader um <coughs> this might resonate more when you're coming to think of songs and you're like oh i just need a song that says this like if there's a gap write one <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's that's yeah there's yeah, a few look at what's not being sung as yeah as rather well. than just what's being sung because i think we can sometimes be inspired by what's being sung but it's okay where are the gaps what what's not being sung that is true about god and the gospel um, and write those songs. So number four is theologically sound. Um, use scripture, like just use scripture as much as you can. Um, look at new ways to say things, but keep it true to scripture. And so if it's been said a thousand times and you try and find a new way to say it and you can't, just say it again. We had a moment when we were writing one of the songs for EPA. I was like, oh, do we have to say that line again? Like it's in every single worship song. And we talked through what it meant. We talked through, um, like, just other ways of saying it. And it was like, no, like, the Bible says it the best way possible. So we're just going to use that scripture again. And um, So, yeah, so... What line are you talking about? Oh, it was one in Emmanuel. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then, so then also, um, once you've written a song, like, test, test drive it on people, whether it's just saying, hey, can you just listen to this song and, you know, tweak it for me and... Or just help, like, so an example, this, you don't have to look this up, but there's a song that um, we wrote called Come Lord Jesus, and we, we, thought it, we thought it was finished, and led it on a Sunday, and as we were singing it, we both kind of half-heartedly in the third verse kind of lost our, we, we kind of were like, hmm. So it says, um, come Lord Jesus, King of heaven, and originally it was, claim your victory, and and then it carries on, and then it then it was every tear will be forgotten. Um, and when we got we got off from leading it, and um, 
and we just kind of looked at each other and were like, claim your victory. Like, he's already claimed the victory. Like, he's, he's, he's victorious. So it was come in victory. Like, come, just come in. You're victorious. So, so that was just a tiny little um, lyrical change that I don't think would have changed if we weren't kind of corporately singing it. Um, and then every tear will be forgotten. Um, I, a, a family in our church had just lost their nine-day-old son um, when we were singing it. And I... I looked out actually at that moment as I was singing it, every tear will be forgotten. And although like, I don't know, you can argue either way. And I just thought, I don't want them to feel like their tears are going to be forgotten. Like it's, so we changed it to every tear will turn to gladness. It's like, actually your, your tears aren't going to be forgotten. That pain, whatever way you want to look at it scripturally, it was like, actually I want in that moment for them to feel lifted that actually their, their sadness will, will, They'll, they'll be glad in the Lord. So um, so just even when you think something's finished, just keep, just be open to um, tweaking things. Yeah, Redmond says a cool thing, um, write with the door closed and then write again with the door open. So just that picture of asking someone in to, this, to the situation, you know, to just speak into it. Yeah. And on those lines, actually, I think it was someone with just a slight, uh, just a better sort of, just more of an antenna for theology was like, I'm not sure we don't, I'm not sure it's helpful to talk about, like, to, to claim that, vic- that tears will be forgotten. Like, you know, there's, there's going to be, like, Jesus has scars. Like, so it just, it just we just realized we were on theologically kind of slightly um, thin ice. So we're just, let's just go solid here. Let's make sure that's really strong. Yeah. So that was a helpful um, example of that yeah. moment of just letting someone else in and having the humility to go, yeah, actually, fair enough. <laughs> um, and then so the next one number five is, is gospel truth so I, we've already kind of talked a bit on it but there's um, again uh, one of the things that Matt Redman speaks a lot about is revelation and response um, kind of breathing in breathing out um, so some songs are just all breathing in like lots of hymns are like that where it's like just that great and then you then need to kind of let out some praise. Um, and then some are all just the response, all just the praise. And then some are both. So I think um, it was just, I guess this point was just to be aware of that when you're writing. Like, is this, is this, does it, do we need some more revelation in this? Will this be helpful to be more responsive? What, what am I trying to say with this? Do I want this to be a journey song, um, a story song? Um, there's lots of ways and it's, it's okay if it just sits in the response category like that's it doesn't have to have revelation um, but it's thinking about that kind of you know where you would be able to use it in a song um, yeah in a song list I guess um, in the corporate yeah, setting yeah I, I think we're trying always to like I just like balance <laughs> um, I love I love both I love songs that just say just respond and just say I'm so I'm so in awe of you I'm so glad that you're my king and you know a real kind of personal thing but I love I love the, the truth you can't have one without the other so just trying not to be lop, lopsided mm. I think is a big thing um, you can sometimes listen to whole albums and it's like that was all very personal and intimate and emotional but I only know what that person's responding to because I also have some background in the gospel and theology 
And so if I didn't have that and I was listening to this, it's kind of just a bit vague. And so it's not to say that those songs or even those albums are bad, but just be aware in your own kind of articulation to make sure that there's a bit of both in there. And then the last one, number six, is teamwork, which makes a dream work. Um, so this was something, um, for me personally, I had to learn. I would not have my name written on any songs if it wasn't for teamwork. So I can play four chords on the acoustic guitar, um, and that is it. Um, put a capo on, and I can play a few worship songs, but that's about it. So it was Tomlin. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, this is being um, We love you, Chris. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so for me, it was actually admitting that, like, no, this is something that God is calling me to. I, I, there were prophetic words when I was 16, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'll write about things, but I have no means to do that. And, um, and one of the things that I think has just been good to, to just get in your thinking is God has lavishly, like, gifted all of us different things. We all, like, we all make up the body of the church because we're different. Like, we, we all are different. There's no other person on the earth that is exactly the same as us. So it's remembering that when you come to work together to write songs. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. Like, and you don't need to feel ill-equipped or... Um, like, I had to really battle through that. Like, this is a musical genius standing here. Steady, no, he, it's true. Like, he's so gifted musically and... So coming to write with him, I was like, oh, I have nothing to bring. But, like, maybe some lyrics and maybe some idea. Like, and, and it was like, no, like, I have been, I've been given, deposited from God different things that he doesn't have. Like, I'm different to him. And together, like, we can write songs that wouldn't be written if we didn't work together. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, with New Day, we... We would do that. We tried to write every week for uh, a season of time. And it would be like, okay, this week, you, 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 in a room. And, you know, we'd make sure someone could play an instrument in there. And, you know, there was some kind of, like, divvying up of different abilities but um, of what you could bring to the table. But it's like, actually, some of the songs that we wrote would not have been written if all four people weren't in the room. Um, whether someone wrote all the melodies, someone wrote all the lyrics, and then someone just stood there going, yes, I love that. Like, actually, like, genuinely, like, it's a joke, but when, so Sam, um, Sam wrote one of our songs with Matt Redman and another guy called Nick Herbert, and we joked about it, but if Sam and Matt had been in a room together, like, kind of just inward, like, Sam writes very inwardly, and, like, so Nick is just so enthusiastic and so encouraging, and... Like having Tigger in the room, and and so it's like, actually, would that song have been would that song have been written if he wasn't in the room? Like, would they both have gone? Mm, not sure about that. Not sure about that. Like, you just don't know. Um, so yeah. So I think know your gifting. Like, so for me, I had to realise I love lyrics. I love theological lyrics. I love looking. Okay, what does that say? How can we say it different? How can we say it in this way? What is the journey? Like, just thinking lyrically. I don't ever write melodies never never written a melody and it's being okay with that and finding someone who's great at melodies and working together and then you get to write songs <laughs> basically um so yeah yeah can i just underscore that i don't know if you've ever heard the story of uh, 
how Mary Did You Know got written? <coughs> I did not. Mark Lowry, who sang with it, gave their vocal band, wrote the lyric. He just wrote this verse down and handed it to Buddy Green and said, see if you can do something with that. Three days later, he called him and sang it to him on the phone. Done yeah. deal. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's and I think and there's definitely there's been this paradigm that's been slightly elevated, maybe of like the singer songwriter worship leader producer, all in all thing, and then you're trying to say to your like 17 year old worship intern who you're discipling like, this is the model, and it's like no, actually that's a rare thing. Some of us are great songwriters, like a lot of the people that we wrote with on. <coughs> For New Day on those songs, they were awesome songwriters, but not worship leaders or, or, yeah. or even singers. It was just like, that was their gift. So it's like, but you see that reflected in, you know, Elton and Bernie Taupin and Rodgers and Hammerstein and these, these collaborations of people where they each understand their gift, they each understand their deficit, but as they come together, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to do quick case study on three songs and then we'd love to try and get a bit of Q&A so we'll whiz through so if you have the bit open um, we're going to look at the song I Believe um, so this was this is like a song that we would put into the like what did you call it like the deposit like so we actually oh, yeah. sat down to finish yeah. writing a different song and Sam then started he just went I believe that you Okay, it just kind of fell out. Um, not all, of, not the whole song in one go, but just the idea of it. No, and, actually, um, that was that was like an hour's songwriting session. Yeah, yeah. So we had, yeah, so we had all the melody, we had all the um, rough ideas within like an hour, which um, and so just I guess rewind a bit. Um, we had just so from 2014 July until. 2015 July we'd had like a year of just a lot of journeying in pain and disappointment or and prayers that kind of we just hadn't seen seen answered um like another dear friend's um son passed away um we had our house kind of not taken like it wasn't ours but like we were evicted we, <laughs> but it wasn't ours really but it was like they, they, it doesn't matter we won't, I won't bore you with the details but it basically was like just a season of just just rugs being taken out from under our feet lots of work changes a big family situation like just it just sent us into this like whoa um, and I just felt clearly God say to me you need to write about what you've learned in, like write about the last year because um, we were coming up to the summer and it was like where are we like we were having to write songs for New Day, and, and I was like, what do we have to say? Like, what, where are we with God right now? And actually, we were in a place of still disappointed. Like, we still had prayers that hadn't been answered. And, um, yeah, and so I shared that with Sam, and um, a few I weeks later, said, he oh, said no. I'm not no. in the mood for about <laughs> nine months. <laughs> no, 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 it was a few weeks. Um, yeah, so then once that kind of came out, we then went back and sat down in our lounge we had no instruments around us and I just said to him right I've got my pen and paper what have we learned this year let's talk through the year what has God shown us about himself his character and we literally talked for about an hour and I just wrote down like everything 
we both kind of said. Um, and that's how the song crossed the finish line. Like it was, it was all the melody and like musicalness chords came in that one sitting um, in the studio, and then and then literally an evening talking about what we'd learned. Um, and so, so that was a because uh, again, I'm just going to steal <coughs> Redmond because I've just learned a lot from him over the years. But he talks about normally it's ninety percent pers perspiration, ten percent inspiration with songwriting. Mm. So you know, it's just it's normally the hard, the hard, the hard yards. Um, this was actually the opposite. It was like pretty much just it just got dumped. Like here's the song, and then it was just ten percent of just trying to cross the line. Um, um, but then even though with that, so if you have it open, um, we kind of wanted the verses to speak of um, just our journey. Um, and so we kind of looked at all the big pointers in the last year and kind of put them, yeah? I'm sorry. Did you, uh, is the song very really long? Yes. So 12 verses. Ah, it's not. <laughs> okay. Are we put, yeah. I couldn't bring it up. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll read out. So basically it's like every painful day I've known and every door unopened. Does that help? It's, I'll just read, is I believe. I, I can just read bits from it. So it basically says, every painful day I've known and every door unopened, you've been working for my good, your sovereign hand will lead, lead me. So it was like putting in the two lines of like what it felt like. It was just disappointment. Like doors just felt like they weren't opening. Um, but then going back to truth, right. his so he is sovereign. Even though those doors felt unopened, this is the truth, he's sovereign. Um, and then the second verse is, Help me now to lift my head through prayers that seem unanswered. I have seen your faithfulness and you have never failed me. So it was like, just again, just actually going quite like bluntly into actually these prayers seem like you haven't answered them. Um, I think the lyric was slightly different at one point and a friend pointed out to us, um, those aren't unanswered prayers. They just seem like they're unanswered. <laughs> so that was quite helpful. Like we changed that lyric into actually it's just prayers that seem unanswered. Um, just, just even just being able to give people singing it a healthy, like, yeah. you know, they're not then being a great, like, they're not being like, God, you haven't answered my prayers. It's like, actually, what we can see of it, they haven't, it's not gone our way, basically. <laughs> <laughs> How we would like to see them answered. Um, yeah, and then, so then the, uh, the pre-chorus, even through the darkest night, <coughs> I know you won't forsake me. Even in the valley low, your goodness never fails me. So again, just actually the truth of what it feels like when you're in the darkest night, you're in the valley low, and then truth. Um, I know you won't forsake me. Your goodness never fails me. So for that, I think we just really felt like we didn't want it just to be this like song that just talks about disappointment and pain and suffering. It's like actually that's a real thing that we've experienced, but God has been good to us, and it... And so then we got to the um, chorus, I believe that you are God when all around gives way. I believe that you are God. Your goodness never fails. So it's like, basically what we learned was he's still God and he's still good regardless of what happens. Um, and then the, uh, the bridge, mid-eight, I will trust you and surrender. You are always good. You are perfect. You are faithful. You are always good. 
And that kind of just felt like a deposit of like trying to put hope into people, like actually, um, and it, it's actually, at times, friends have said to us like, it's, that's, they're quite strong words to say, framed in that song, like, but I will trust you and I will surrender. Um, I will surrender the unanswered prayers. So I think, yeah, I guess just try to case study it, like work, walk it through, just... We, yeah, we didn't want to just stay in the valley. We wanted to sing a song that was true, that brought hope, um, and yeah. Yeah, um, just thinking on that one. Often you don't do these things intentionally. Sometimes you do, but then like when you look back afterwards, you realise, oh yeah, cool. It's got some truth. It's got some like revelation, but then it's also like the bridge is just a response, just like a heart cry. I will trust you and surrender and. Um, you kind of go, oh, neat. And I wonder, cause, um, so here I am to worship. That's my like favorite version of a, or a great, it's a classic model of um, the revelation response thing actually working out. It's like um, light of the world. You, you step down into darkness, just truth. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I, like it's revelation response. It's, it's, it's ideal for that. And it's also over like three notes, the whole song. So it's just genius. But I wonder whether Tim knew that at the time or afterwards has had it pointed out and gone, oh, cool. <laughs> so that's that's one of those. Um, yes. Um, that one was just the two of us, and it was also the inspiration with a little bit of perspiration. Um, the song I Am Blessed um, was kind of the opposite, like 10% inspiration and then 90% perspiration and kind of just months of like back and forth and just put it on the shelf and um so that started out as a really intentional songwriting session with two other guys um one was matt redmond and the other one was a guy called nick herbert and this one's a great example of me to me of um just that kind of making a, an intentional decision like yep let's just get together let's find a time book it out find a space to write in and do it and see what fruit comes um so that's, it's been really cool to, to be a part of that kind of a model as well. Um, Nick Herbert brought the whole who am I, like the psalm of David um, aspect into the to the mix. And just he was personally like pumped and just resonated with that particular expression. Um, I think I'd already written the verse melody and that was like I brought that to the mix. And so um, one of the things I've learned when you write with other people is just come with a little like goodie bag of ideas. So that when someone goes, hey, what have you got? It's like... Uh, well, so I didn't want to do that, especially because Matt was in the room. It was like, bring something, you know? So I'd written the verse already, um, and then we kind of melded that together. And originally the chorus of the song was, um, uh, now I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you my all. Yeah. That was the chorus. And then, and then it kind of just, it was like, okay, great, we've run out of time, let's go. And then really over the next bunch of months, there was lots of back and forth, trying to tweak, trying to work on it. Um, you know, life takes over. And then one day out of the blue, Matt sends me like a voice memo on my phone. He's in an airport, so it's like, beep, beep, sorry, sorry, that's a cart going by, you know. And he's just had this idea for a chorus, I am blessed. Um, I am blessed, I'll never let my heart forget. And it was just like, ah, that's a chorus. That's a great chorus. Let's bump what was the chorus to become the bridge. Um, and again, neat, neat 
looking back on it afterwards, it's like the chorus is like, again, just a real moment of personal response. Like, now I'm giving you my life, I'm giving you my all. And it's great to sing that after you've already sung the slightly more packed um, kind of breaking down some just some doctrine. You know, faithfulness has found me, all of that stuff. So... Um, that was that was a cool kind of experience to see it all come together and and also a picture of I think the way it works a lot nowadays with songwriting where it's like emails and Skype and voice memos and like we were in the room once and then after that it was all done just with emails so just make use of those tools I guess and then we'll just really quickly touch on a song called Emmanuel. Um, this one is just basically just to say we nearly scrapped it quite a few times. <laughs> um, it was probably one of the hardest songs to actually cross the line, actually finish it, actually write it. Wrote it with a guy from the States. Um, and we kind of were just, we came with just different things. And, and actually, we had started it. You took it to write with him. Um, he bought changes that kind of you can say it did you not like well no I did not like it <laughs> just weren't where I saw it going <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's a diplomat um, so yeah so kind of just sat there and we were like right we, d- we, ne- we just knew we needed one more song for the EP and that was what we had there and um, so actually like when we were recording the EP that they recorded drums bass guitar keys and we still hadn't actually written the, like the lyrics and so we're like okay wow. yeah so it was that like and then and then I recorded the vocal and I said Mm-mm, it's gotta go like this is ridiculous this is rubbish. So, so we then re-recorded the vocal and there was just someone that just said like I think you just need to keep it um and so we did and and then we were going to the New Day event last summer and we were kind of putting our songs on the table of what we had. And we said, well, we have, we have the other one from our EP, Emmanuel. And, um, and I said, well, can we take it up a key and maybe like two BPM faster? And we got to the event and we thought I Am Blessed, would, the one we were talking about before, would be like kick off more. And then as we were singing it, we were like, these are teenagers that haven't journeyed life. Like they don't realize that faithfulness has like... They're, they're not connecting with these lyrics like adults do in churches because they've not experienced life. And then, um, so we then brought Emmanuel to the table and it just connected. Like, and we just found that it connected with teenagers and um, there's something about it that at, when it's done live, like, it just connected. So that's kind of one that, like, that's a really rough overview of it. Um, but just, you know, kind of don't get rid of every single idea. Like, keep ideas going show them to other people that's why that's why getting other people involved um can be helpful uh we're kind of out yeah should we do some q a just to make sure that you guys how long have we got one minute but we one can minute. <laughs> zero minutes um oh is it three yeah. oh great we've got 15 minutes yay yeah so just please ask whatever it doesn't have to be related to anything we've said if you guys have come with Questions. Well, it and we have a little bit. Well, no, I mean, like, no, why I do mean, you have like, like Marmite? Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. 
you know what I mean? Like, if people have come with specific things and we haven't even touched on them in yeah. some way, too. Yeah. Favorite poet? Um, if not, that's okay. No, I well, yeah, I studied some poetry at school, but that was that was it. But in terms of songwriters, um, like I've definitely grown up with the songwriter model more than the band model. Like my dad was just into Sting and James Taylor and Jody Mitchell and that kind of ilk. So I think whether that's influenced more my Melody writing or lyrics, I don't, I don't know. I think Matt has been a big influence, like lyrically, um, Redmond. But I'm, I'm more of a tunes melody. They come really easy to me, and then lyrics, I find more difficult. I'm like, oh, this is hokey, or it's been said a million times. Or so you're, you're good at lyrics, and that's why one of the reasons it works well because I kind of have tunes, and she has pages of lyrics. words. Like, so. and and actually, we had to learn that I because I didn't do the melody side of things. I, you'd look at my lyrics, and it'd be like, and you you'd be like, there's just too many words, like just too many words, like got to fit in time. Like, <laughs> think about less words. So like, take what you've said and make it a little bit less. But so yeah, so yeah, I, not really. Sorry, I wish I could say yes, but. <laughs> Yeah, so I really, really resonated with me with the open door and closed door part that you talked about. Can you just talk a little bit about what giving good feedback looks like and what receiving is? Yeah, totally. I think um, it's one of the reasons why. So <clears throat> you have to be fairly thick-skinned, quite robust. As, 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 as I guess as any kind of it, this isn't just for songwriting any kind of creative you know partnership um, because if I'm not willing to let someone speak into it it's just pride I'm not, not willing to let to be humble enough to say yeah that you're right um, and so often it's easier to start with like someone you've already got a good relationship with because you just know they can be like dude that sucked really sorry I'm not going to say it any other way and you just have relationships, so it's like, okay. Um, but you do, yeah, you do have to just... I don't know whether being thick-skinned is the best way to say it, but you do have to just be robust enough to go, yeah, fair enough. Um, because because I know for sure in the pop world, it's it's pretty, you know, it's not... It's dog-eat-dog, it's like... And so, and so if you took it, if you take it to its professional kind of... Um, expression or whatever those guys I mean they're meeting brand new people they're one label's putting a guy together with another label they've never met they've got one hour to smash out four songs you know those guys are like match fit top of their game and I think part of that is just being not being too uh, delicate uh, and I think in receiving it because um, this is something that actually just Again, not being that musical, like, I kind of, for a while, lived under this cloud of, like, oh, I won't make a suggestion because they probably won't like it, um, and had to kind of break through that a bit. Um, and it was really, like, and it, this goes to so many areas. I had to learn it in my worship leading and just general life. Um, 
is that actually like that song doesn't define you like it's not that's not who you are like who I am is God's daughter who he loves and if my lyric isn't liked by that person so what like it doesn't change who I it doesn't change my um value yeah it doesn't change that so it's it's having that and then which then helps you go hey I've got this idea you can be a bit more kind of cards on the table I think um yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know how the music should sound, but I don't know yeah. notes or Yeah. So I've written a couple things, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff I've written is more so for like a bigger conversation. Yeah. You know, where just kind of more worship. Yeah. So any anyway, yeah. is that something I should yeah. show you? So, yeah, so that's where I think finding someone who can help turn those into like the product of a song um whether that's someone like sam or just someone someone else who can who can hear what you're saying and singing and turning it into like into the song um would be a great i think a great place to start um and then and then sharing them i think like a little bit like what you touched on with the whole intent thing and the like it's easy to it's easy to for people to think that songwriters are the worship leaders like actually there are many songwriters who like they write songs and they're never on a stage they're never leading worship they're never but they write they just they because they get poetry they get like language in a way that other people don't um so i think it's it's yeah Kind of going, okay, this is what I have to offer. These are my loaves and my fishes. I'm going to take them to someone who can help, and then and then take them to the guy in charge, or <laughs> you know. Um, well, what I love on that too is that you touched on something that we didn't, which is songs that come out of yes prophetic worship yeah. intercession. Yeah. So um, we've done songwriting like retreats, where the first whole day or the maybe the first session is just three hours of just singing together no plan just guitar and you just worship and people can just bubble away and come out with their own songs and it's like in the moment and prophetic and yeah. some of those songs then become a great like chorus or like a hook yeah, for a song at the end it would be like okay we're now going to split what prophetic songs came out who connected with those prophetic songs right your team you're going to finish that song that someone started so yeah I love that yeah can you talk some about some of the new instruments or maybe uh, software, you know, on iPad or whatever that uh, can facilitate those of us who don't really have a musical instrument skill but yeah. want to be able to release some of that creativity? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would def- I would often point people to GarageBand because um, they've just done like some genius new things where. It, it gives you um, 
gives you, what do they call them, like smart instruments. Yeah, so you can press go and you've got a drum. Uh, yeah, it's super cheap. So you find the, find the guitar. Get the guitar. <laughs> Why don't you play something actually though? Nice to the ear. Yeah, you can. Well, that's auto play. Well, that one and then there's auto play. That one is just playing for you. Sing over and this. There you go. Got your musician. So you can change things, and it kind of changes the like the timing, and you can add drum, and you press record, and then <laughs> and then you do drums and do bass. And that's how all the records are made these days. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's an app. That's a good one because it's it. It's actually you're actually able to be pretty engaged in what those chords are, whilst it, it sort of does it for you. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what proportion of songs actually make it through to the finish line, and how many just kind of die on the way? And how do you know what which bits to keep them and work on, and which bits should never be seen ever again? <laughs> Uh, so I would say almost all of these are voice memos of songs, <laughs> and there's probably the, the that song they graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's, our ratio has been a bit diff a bit different because we have just toiled to just like take those eight songs and kind of get mm. six of them over the line. I know yeah. other guys where they've literally written three hundred songs and then. And then whittled it down to eight. I think I, I, I just don't have that kind of output where it's just like tons and tons and tons and tons of songs. Um, so I think it depends a little bit on your personality. I have books of lyrics, like books, like from like being sixteen up to now. So yeah, thirteen. But in terms of how you know. Uh, it's normally that moment when you show it to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're just like, hmm. okay, you know, yeah, all those euphemistic terms that basically mean, nah. <laughs> John had said, you know, one question, Mary, did you know? Birthed an amazing song. And I can imagine the songwriter sitting back and saying, okay, what didn't Mary know? And then just going through that process. And then I heard you talking about the I Believe song where you just sat down and say, okay, what did we just go through in the last year? And then brainstorm and put all these ideas down. And so it seems as though, because I've never written a song, but I have a heart that wants to express itself. And I don't speak in tongues. And I want to, I want to say things that I don't know how to say them, and I think I'm supposed to be doing some through song, and so I don't want to get wrapped up in the, um, you know, the the, the fine tuning of the song. Mm. I think I think I need to just get some guidance on 
how did you get the like the bulk of it down yeah. before it turns yeah. into like the polished thing? Because yeah. I can get down and I'll start trying to polish lines, and I never actually get, you know, to yeah. the to the whole point of the song. Yeah. So it sounds like you get you go from the big idea, and yeah. kind of massage that down to, and then distill it into yeah. very concise words. Is that is that kind yeah. of how it works? I, I would say um, one of the things that I've learned is I love like I don't know what you call it in different countries, but like spider diagrams and mm -hmm. you know like. Mind maps yeah. and yeah. Yeah. the website. So I just have always loved that. So like, if we have a theme, uh, um, or if I'm thinking about writing a song on a theme, so I have one going at the moment where I've got a theme, and I literally did a mind map and like, what have I learned about that theme? What does what does God say about that theme? What does that mean? Then like, and just thinking of all the all of the broadness of areas of like life of like, what does that mean for me now? What does that mean for me in salvation? Like all of that and then find scriptures for it and like kind of just come so big on it and then think okay as a song I could in verse one go to this theme verse two go to this theme okay what would the chorus say but that's just me personally so I think like you work one of the things we learned quite early on is I'm an external processor and he's an internal processor so we would sit down to write together and he'd just be like <laughs> Give me something. I'm like, and he's like, Shh, don't, just don't talk. And I'm like, but I need something to work on. And like, I just needed noise and sounds and words. And, and he's like, shh, I can't think. So we learned that we had to do it separately first and then kind of come to the table to work together. But so I think it's just working out like, what does your, how does your brain work best? Like, what do you like? Do you like doing spider diagram graph things like mind maps or actually do you like just write like writing out prayers like that's another one that's just great like just write out prayers like what are you praying for what are you like just or just writing out truth getting scripture and thinking what does that mean thinking what does that mean like but also um find the crux of what it is that you you actually want to yeah. say and make sure that's the take because you yeah 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 like make yeah. sure there's a thematic hook where it's like I don't quite remember what the, all of those lines were, but I know it was like, uh, like the chorus was like, "I am blessed." Yeah. So I, that that's the bit that's like. And so that was the bit that was missing yeah, that I in carry that song, out. where it was like, "Yeah, it's kind of working, it's kind of." And then as soon as Matt sent that memo, it was like, it was "There like, it oh, is." Everything hangs around this makes that sense. theme. Yeah. So make yeah. sure that's in there when you're kind of plotting it all out. Yeah. I think it's time for one more. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Both. Go. Both. <laughs> I think we've gone through seasons of feeling like real, really burdened to try and make sure it's like contextual and then going, do you know what? We just need to sing this. And uh, if it doesn't have an 808 and a thing underneath, like we just don't have time. We just need to sing this or, or we just don't want to get caught up in that. And then there's other seasons where you really work hard to build a track 
you know, even like we've even hired guys in who are like pop. They build tracks, what they do, to make sure that it's framed like in that way. Because that helps then with the me- like shifting melodies around if you're hearing that. I guess though, in terms of like people coming to you. Um, yeah, I think it's. It's really hard because the, the like there's so many different ends of the spectrum. Like people say, oh, church church music's really kind of bland, down the middle, white bread. It's like, yeah, that's true. But if but what do you do if you don't want that? Where do you go? Like, oh, things need to be real singable, and it's like you realize actually when you go to a Coldplay concert or a Rihanna concert, people can sing. People can sing those songs, and they do. So sometimes we play lowest common denominator to make sure everybody is like able to sing something when actually we should expect more of like what people can do and what people can sing um and then it's just figuring out like what's authentic to me so like being crazy poppy actually isn't authentic to me i'm like Joni mitchell james taylor so like the whole adele sam smith thing like makes sense to me in terms of the, the way i express like production and songs and and then there's other people where it totally makes sense for them to be Chance the Rapper, and it's like, awesome. But I'm not going to try and, like... It's not going to happen. So, so, uh, so it's like... So just figure out, like, your context, what makes you burn. Like, if you're like, I connect... Like, I know a lot of guys who are like, I just don't connect with that Tomlin Radio Nashville sound. And I, in lots of ways, I don't either, but I think... Yeah, it's just figuring out what feels authentic, um, and don't don't be afraid if it if it is if it is a bit eighties. It's like well, yeah, eighties will always be cool, man. <laughs> I think we're out of time. Thanks for coming, guys. Anything else? I think it's good. Thanks, guys.